Hello, Internet. I'm Matt, and we're introducing our new co-host... Shannon from downthewebline.com. And the same thing on Twitter, right? Yes, same thing. Awesome. <laughs> and you, dear listener, are tuning into the Untold Talks of Spider-Man, where we'll be unearthing the deep cuts and forgotten stories in the Spider-Man lore. Our goal is to find these lost gems and share them with you as we discover what it truly means to be a Spider-Man story. All right. Super excited. All right, Shannon. So... You're not new here. You've done a few, but I don't know if people know some of your tastes and stuff, since this is kind of a preference show at the heart of it. I wanted to inquire about some of your Spider-Man preferences. Okay, let's see here. I like a lot of different uh, Spider-Man stories. Um, probably my favorite run is um, Straczynski and Romina Jr., but I also like uh, little one-off stories like from Tangled Web. Honestly, the mid-2000s are probably my favorite, but I've read pretty much all of Spider-Man at some point. That's impressive. Something I couldn't even say at all. And then there's the obvious questions from our granddaddy podcast. How do you feel about the annuals? Do you think they count? Ooh. Yeah, no comment. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes annuals are really good. It really is like this interesting metric. Sometimes they get at some new angle. Sometimes they're a great summing up of the history. So I think in ASM 100, Peter sort of coming to terms with how being Spider-Man has affected his life and then decides to try and take his powers away. Like that was a pretty pivotal moment. But there have been other annuals where the contribution is questionable. Sure. I mean, some are like reprints or whatever, and some are less than memorable. There, yeah, I think there's some that hold up and are interesting. I'm sure we'll get to some of them at some point. I mean, with recent stuff, I mean, were you a fan of some of the slot stuff and some of the Spencer stuff? Or are you more about the older... I tend, yes. Yeah, I tend to read the older um, stories, and I just realized I mixed up annuals with the, the centuries issues, so whoopsie there. <laughs> uh, no, I tend to like the older stuff. I like some of Slot stuff. It really depends. I like that he sort of infused the stories with um, themes like what makes Spider-Man Spider-Man. You know, is it Peter Parker or is it the Powers? And he did a good job with that, but I tend to just sort of read mostly older uh, material. Yeah, totally fair. Plus, he was on it for like a decade, so there's going to be some hidden, some miss, right? Does happen for yeah. every honestly for every writer. There's always misses and there's always hits. Yeah. All right. So I think we should move on to your first pick, and uh, if you want to intro us in with the credits and kind of tell us why you chose this one. So my first pick for um, starting off fresh in 2021 here is Ray of Light by, I, I'm hoping I don't mess up his name, Care Andrews. He did both the writing and the illustrations. The letters were by another fun name, John Misegaze. And then assistant editor was Axel 
Alonso editor was Joe Quesada and president was Bill Jemas. I don't think you have to read the president normally, but it's right there. I just right there. I <laughs> it's right there. I'm trying to do a good job here. So I picked this story because it was it's a nice one off story and it focuses on an outsider's perspective of heroism and does heroism matter? You know, given all the things that we go through on a daily basis, does that kind of hope matter to everybody? And does it actually help everybody? Is it Does that kind of hope out there support people? Yeah, no, it's a lot of heavy themes and it's a lot kind of packed into one issue that's all in all pretty minimal. Like, this isn't loaded with hefty word balloons or like jam-packed with panels or anything. It's pretty breezy, but it feels like there's a lot more going on with even kind of a certain sense of minimalism. Mm -hmm. So before we get to the the meat of it, I guess I should back up a bit and cover some of our uh, tactile bit that people like to know. So if you're looking to get this issue, if you're inspired to read it after listening to us talk about it, you can grab a physical issue on the cheap in a number of places. It was in a trade, the volume two of Tangled Web, which goes for cheap to like five bucks. It was also in Spider-Man the movie uh, trade paperback, which also goes for really cheap. In the Tangled Web Nimbus, which is about 60 bucks. It's on Comixology for two bucks and I believe it's on Marvel Unlimited. So throw a rock and find this issue you'll be fine also i i just wanted to note care andrews isn't like a spider-man creator in the way that we normally come to but he's done a handful of things he was on one of the spider-man mangaverse kind of things he was doing spider-man rain uh dr octopus year one and also has some other light marvel touches and with wolverine iron fist um an astonishing x-men run that was less than stellar uh, but also is really known for Renato Jones, which is a weird indie mercenary book. So I don't know guy that gets around, but is clearly has some love for the character. The synopsis is essentially about a teen boy named Jack who's feeling left out of his normal life because he constantly needs to stay home and take care of his younger brother, Casey. Uh, in the story, Casey is watching a superhero TV show called insect man. I wonder who that is alluding to <laughs> when the two of them get in a fight about the value of superheroes. And of course, that's the moment when Spidey and Electro come crashing into their living room and change their lives. It's funny because normally synopsis is a little there, but I mean, that's, that's the issue. <laughs> <laughs> but you said breezy, right? It's a breezy story. So I, I guess digging into this, one of the first things that hits me is when the kids are kind of arguing and the TV show that they're watching is kind of loud. The mom yells in from the other room, but she's never really seen. And she's kind of this like, like we're aware that the parent is there, but it's also an absent presence. I, I don't know what you thought about the mom in this story. Well, I think it sort of gets back to everyone who's an adult here. No one is sort of on the page except for the two kids. So, like, the mom being absent, like, she's physically present somewhere. She's has dialogue. You know, she's obviously, because of the way she's portrayed, she's in her bedroom. She doesn't get up. Um, she seems, like, needy and everything, and that 
she's suffering from some kind of depression and they allude later to like dad being gone so then it really is just the two of them with the older sibling feeling responsible for his younger sibling and it creating this conflict between them right and yeah and we say older sibling but he seems like he's in like early high school middle school somewhere in there yeah he seems like he's like maybe 12 13 years old you know yeah outside chance he's like a freshman in high school but really he just seems like an older middle schooler still a kid very much and i it's so i mean the fact that he doesn't want to be taking care of his brother and out doing things that normal kids do is makes it so like he's not like the bad guy he's not wrong or anything and i think that's important when we kind of talk about the conflict of this issue because it's completely understandable and it's completely fair oh yeah i mean i say from my own personal experience as someone who had to take care of my siblings that you can understand that that you know, needing to stay home when your friends are out doing things and you can't just sort of engage in these normal activities that other people get to do. And that does create this little bit of resentment that's understandable. The other thing that hit me is like a lot of this comic is, I say drawn, but it looked like it was a painted comic, basically like digitally painted. I, I don't know the exact process though, obviously. There's a lot of like literal blank space where like the kids are there and there's like some objects but it's not like a fully rendered space but whenever we do get hints of the background it's always cluttered which it was an interesting touch it allowed us to focus what we needed to but gave us the idea of like this is just like a unkempt home yeah and there's like little things um sort of pointing back to like their sort of financial situation you know we have jack here taking the bowl of cereal back from his little brother Casey once he was done with it rinsing out the bowl and then using the bowl himself and this whole time you don't even see something like milk he's looks like he's just eating the cereal so it's sort of getting back to this idea of you know them not coming from any kind of means barely making it and even as we get into like the, the the place is cluttered yet they don't seem to have anything it's that kind of situation where you have so much stuff but none of it really adds up to any kind of value the tv's on the floor the comic book that they happen to look at in a moment uh is a is something that was handed down it wasn't something that they went out and bought so it's like they don't really have means yeah yeah that's a good point i didn't even think about that part there was there any more of the kind of, I mean, I say setup, but it's over half the issue. Well, there's, I think this is in like contrast with the animated show that they're watching, which is in a completely different style. Um, it's very cartoonish and over the top and there's like this glamour to it that's, you know, brightly colored in contrast with the, the boys environment, which is all these sort of muted dark tones the only brightness being on the younger brother. Yeah, no, yeah. And that character, it was funny to me because it, it was Spider Boy or Insect Boy. Insect Man. Uh, <laughs> oh, was it Man? It, it, yes. Okay. Wow. But it totally looked like Ariana, just a guy, which I thought was funny. I don't know if that was intentional or whatnot, but it was a weird kind of pull and look for kind of a weird reference. I don't know. It was 
is kind of cool. But I, there's there's also since we we've already mentioned that Electro shows up that the the villain in the in the TV show is someone who uses electricity, but they're so comical and ridiculous that it's all very like the Adam West Batman like level of camp going on in the in the show which of course also creates that contrast with the sort of drab seriousness of what the boys are experiencing yeah and the older brother kind of you know attacks the whole idea of the superhero you know they're silly they're pointless like why are you even wasting your time with this yeah and there's there's this resentment it's not just like why are you investing in your time into something that's you know seems frivolous like what your your usual argument that you hear from people about like interests like this you know like it's not real or whatever but this is taking place in a marvel world where there are heroes so really the resentment comes from the fact that it's not so much that it's not real but it's that they're not really here to help us like heroes aren't worth anything well and then and then at that point basically the the wall breaks down yes well i think it's interesting right before the wall breaks down they transition they go from like arguing about insect man to arguing about spider-man like a funny a little funny transition like it, it flows just right but it's like you know why that he's able to feed like spider-man into that story so it's like an old conversation about the kid liking spider-man or just simply bringing up heroes in general and spider-man being the top of the pile as far as they're concerned it really does come back to like you know they don't care we're struggling i'm struggling and they're not going to save us so why do you worship them and then of course we have the crash and it's electro and spider-man busting through the wall I, I don't know if you think there's any more than this like obviously the cartoon they they got like a mirrored villain idea like you said but i feel like they used electro here because like it's that like easy metaphor for just like you know a struggle of power when they use electro which we see a number of times when he's brought in as kind of a minor villain it's just like it's an easy metaphor for a villain so they like pulling him is pretty much what i felt here well it was it's kind of like as sort of goofy as the the series was like when they actually break into the living room it's sort of like like especially with electro's introduction it's like this titan comes in Mm -hmm. it's not goofy it's not silly it's suddenly very serious and very dangerous and i think it's an interesting way to play electro because electro is pretty scary but they don't always put him into a story like that so to have him be in here and just be absolutely menacing is is pretty interesting and engaging. And then, of course, Spider-Man, he's just in a pile of rubble. So then it's just the boys and Electro. Like, Spider-Man's not even in the fight right now. Well, I think the other part, too, is that all the little electricity cracks and the, like, lightning bolts he throws um, against, like I said, it's kind of a negative space, so it's basically a, a black background. With this digital painting look, it just looks very brilliant. It just looks good, which is probably the main reason this guy <laughs> chose to use Electro because it's going to be more visually stimulating. You know, good stuff. Yeah, no, it, it it really pops. And honestly, like, I rarely see Electro this scary. And the kids are really in a, in a bad way because Spider-Man's out and 
While Electro, though, he really doesn't have any interest in the kids. He's trying to get them away so that he can, you know, obviously hurt Spider-Man a little more than he's already hurting. Um, And so the boys are at this sort of crossroads of action. Do they cower down or escape or do they try and stand up for what's right? I mean... It's not necessarily that they make an impact in the fight, but they do both stand up to him in a way. But it's first the little kid with the big brother protesting, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's super brave of uh, Casey, the little kid, to, to just be ready to, to throw down right there. But you also get the, the vibe from Casey, since he's been so like disconnected from how reality is, that he doesn't really understand that he could be killed in this moment while jack the older brother like he's the one who's scared he's the one who understands like the consequences of provoking someone who's wielding electricity i mean it would be really easy to like throw in some philosophical idea here right like the little kid is you know doing what's right no matter what you know pick one of three philosophical readings versus someone being a pragmatist and, you know, saying like, you could be killed and all that. And that, that idea of like bravery is necessary, but it, it doesn't read that way at all. Cause it's like, it's an eight year old kid. You can't <laughs> attribute those things to an eight year old kid, especially standing up to someone in, in a goofy costume, like Electro. But I think this is like the first time. Cause I would say like the older brother up until like he gets, I mean, he gets his own little splash page here up to that point. He's just been, I don't want to say negative or or just practical, but that he has just been arguing against things and not for something. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And this is the first time he's actually taken a stand for something, and that is to defend his brother. It's no longer, you know, I'm not living life I want. I don't like heroes. You know, he's actually made a choice and now he's standing up to electro putting himself between the villain and his little brother becoming a hero in the moment right and and i think that's big and then ultimately it's spider-man who gets up and deals with it more or less right because you know electro's just creeping in with that finger all full of electricity ready to zap the older brother yeah. There's actually, I think, a little bit of an allusion here to, I would say, early Peter Parker. You know, he was bullied in school and ostracized and didn't get to do what he wanted to do. And Electro is just takes one look at him and can tell that he's that type of person, this kid Jack. And so he just starts to, you know, try to break his resolve before he touches him with electricity. And, of course, that's when... There's a little web line that goes out, and Spider-Man's now beaten up uh, Electro and sparing both brothers. And from there, I, um, Electro's, yeah, like you said, beaten up. And then we get the little hero speech at the end of it, which I know is the most famous part of this comic. I've heard it kind of quoted just of itself. Uh, do you have it in front of you? Sorry. I do, I do. So, sorry kid, but the good guy can't always save the world sometimes. He just does what he can, eats his broccoli, and it hopes everything works out. This is, you know, right after he gives him Peter, or Spider-Man, sees, like, the disaster and tries to, like, fix things a little bit. He gives them his rent money, which I think is funny, like, like a little kid, 
you know, gets an envelope that says rent money on it and doesn't understand that that is literally someone's everything right there. Someone who's poor just like them to just give your rent money away. But he gives them their rent money for the hole in the wall, fixes up the kid, uh, the little brother's toy and just says, I hope this will make things okay. And of course, the older brother's like, no, it won't. You know, you gave us $500. There's a big hole. We almost got killed. It's not okay. None of this is okay. And then, of course, that's when the speech happens. And you know, Spider-Man is like, well, no, it's not okay. But we can. I can only do what I can do, you know. And we can only do what we can do. So eat your broccoli and hope everything turns out okay. Which... I, God, I I like that idea and I like that mentality for Spider-Man so much more because it fits the everyday kind of guy thing. You know, I'm just doing what I can do and I've been given this ability to do so much more. So I do so much more, but it still accepts some of the limits of Spider-Man. Whereas we've gotten too much recently in the modern stuff. I feel like, you know, like nobody dies or all this other stuff of Spider-Man taking on this like crazy amount of responsibility. And it's like, you're the superhero that patrols the streets looking for trouble to try to help. Not the one, you know, dealing with universe ending aliens coming every week or whatever. And it's that accessibility and that kind of mentality for Spider-Man. I just love that for the character and I'm guessing you do too because this was your pick. Oh yeah yeah I mean I have always had a soft spot for street vigilantes so it's the fact that they're just down on the ground and they're doing the daily grind the work to try and help the everyman and being an everyman yourself. The saving the universe stuff that's fun but I think the real work is always you know what you're doing for the person on the street you know saving one alley at a time sometimes you know well that's what superheroes are built for really like that that was the origin point of it and that's where they've always been most popular i mean the most popular superheroes basically are superman batman and spider-man that's where superman started and as he's faded away from that i feel like he's lost more of his popularity the ideas became a bit grander but they were like ideals representing that batman stayed to that for the most part until relatively recently and then spider-man has stayed there mostly and i feel like is only now starting to kind of get a little too big for his britches and that sort of respect there's yeah there's drift i think superman can't help but drift or in his case fly away um yeah i think Batman and Spider-Man both go through like cycles of sort of getting too big for their their tights and then coming back down and getting grounded again. And uh, I'm hoping for more Spider-Man stories like this where that happens. The sort of next point with this that's interesting is they plug in the TV again and they finish the, the episode of Insect Man. And the Insect Man goes on about you know uh, why he does what he does and it's because he's learned a hard lesson about how great power comes with uh, great responsibility our favorite old adage well yeah (laughs) (laughs) then jack asks so what comes with no power so the fundamental thing that we get back to about the story is about 
what do you do when you are expected to be a hero, but you have no power? And that's when his little brother looks at him and says, well, you're responsible for me, aren't you? And that's really it. Like, he doesn't have to have any power, you know. He has his little brother and his little brother's love for him. And that's more than enough for him to be responsible for him. It's funny because, you know, we think Ben Park and all that, but, you know, I, I, that was, you know, Voltaire. Like, that's supposed to be a quote about, you know, the power we have in society with others. And if you're the older brother, you know, you have responsibility, you have some power in something, though it's the way our society set up. He's too young to really have that in a way, too. So it's just interesting to see that, like, the heart of the ideal of that, like, kind of come around and make this story true, too, though that's probably not the full thinking of it uh yeah no i i think that's great the other thing said there too was um by insect man was whenever there's a hang up whenever there's a bang up which is totally just playing on the old cartoon which is just showing like the idea of this like carries through even in the goofy stuff it's interesting to kind of have like the fun of it meet the reality of it i guess well there's a certain like smugness with insect man so he says essentially the same speech that Spider-Man says earlier with, I just do what I can, eat my asparagus and hope everything works out. But this is all prefaced by him also acknowledging that he has a ton of resources and a cool car. Like the whole like Batman setup of having all the things that he can go out and do hero work without, you know, hurting that in contrast with the reality where you have a hero and kids who are struggling day to day to try and make ends meet, but also do the right thing. And that's pretty much the end of the comic. It's a light one, but it's heavy at the same time. It is. It is. It's, um, and it's just absolutely beautiful to read. I just love all the art in it. It's beautiful. And uh, just to note, I tried to find some other takes on this and Spider Fan had one. That read, um, you know, four out of five, a nice harmless story that looks at Spider-Man through the eyes of two total strangers. The artwork bumps, bumps it up an extra notch. And I just read that. I was like, harmless? Like, that feels like an amazingly wrong word to pick to describe this issue. Like, there's a lot of meat on the bones here. Harmless, I think because this is a, I think, a, a trope with the older brother and the younger brother. You know, the older one being jaded and all that. Like, I think that's what he was getting at. But I don't think that, I mean, they put a different spin on this. They added so much, um, Carrie Andrews did, that I think harmless isn't quite the right term to use for it. Well, I mean, I recognize it's a trope, but it's also just kind of true. Not that every 13-year-old's just kind of cynical and whatever, but I mean, by and large, yeah, you're probably more cynical at 13 than you are at 7 and you're probably more into those kinds of cartoons at 7. Like, it's just... There's tropes, then there's just you know, how people are by and large, and it takes those and it, it's grounded enough. It's not just, you know, ascribing and moving on. It's all it's all there. Yeah, I agree. It is one of my favorite little one-offs. At the start of this, you're kind of talking about what it kind of meant to you, and I feel like the speech gets there too. At the end of the day, I mean, we're, we're talking about it all the time, I guess, but I mean, 
what is it about superhero stories that you think makes them valuable, makes them worth, you know, spending as much time with them as we do? I think it gets back to like what happened with Jack here, which is like being inspired. I think we all can, I mean, Spider-Man is in a unique position in the story in that he is an everyman. And we are, especially now, just constantly trying to get through our days there's that relatability that makes it valuable to to then take the saying, which I think you can apply it to your own life, not so much the great power, great responsibility, but the doing just what you you know, doing what you can, eating your vegetables and hope everything works out. It's like understanding and recognizing where you have control over things and where you don't. And making that distinction. And so I think some superhero stories, especially ones like this, are extremely valuable. They help center us and think about what we can do in our lives and what it means to be a hero. You just you hit it on the head. There's nothing more I could add. Um, which basically brings us to our web of rankings. Woo! Woo, woo, woo. So I know you haven't read all these stories on here. You, you said you read a good chunk of Spider-Man, so I know you've read a good chunk of them. Do you have any like general idea of where you'd place this one? Let's see here. I'm looking at the list. I mean, for a reference point, the top-rated Tangle Web issue, which seems you know relevant here, is number fourteen, the last shoot. That's the yeah, that's the uh, one with Crusher. And kind of building out his backstory, which is a darn tootin' good issue. Yes. I think I think top 25. Okay. I'll let you pick where in that you'd like to put it. I mean, that gets a lot easier for me. Because I put it under the last shoot. I just think that's such a great issue. And it's not that I don't like this one. But, you know, when you start talking top 25, you know, it's what do you like a little bit more? And number 17 is Double Shot, and I like this more than that. So that's number 17, so I'll put it above 17. Yeah, right above that is the Sandman Silver Sable team-up, which is just this, like, brawler of a comic that I love. So I kind of want to put it under that. All right, number 17 out of 74 entries on our list. Not, Not a bad... Way to start off. Plus, I don't know, you wouldn't want to swing in trying to go for the number one spot. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> That'd be, taking down Hookie will be uh, will be a tough one to do. I, I think we'll get there, though. And plus, as we go move through this and you become a little more familiar, we'll probably be uh, shifting and maybe re-examining some of these issues and replacing them as we go. I know that in particular, Short Halloween's a sticking point for you, which is number 71 on our list, which is... So sad. So low. So we'll probably do that one and let you give it a fair shot, which I'm positive will move it up the list. I mean, at least above, like, I don't know, Grim Hunt, which is 57, which... Yeah. Uh... <laughs> so sad. <laughs> Next time, we'll be covering Amazing Spider-Man 262. Oh, and you can look up the cover to find out why, or you can just wait and tune in. But until then, 
We want to thank everyone for listening. If you're enjoying Untold, if you're enjoying The Amazing Spider Talk, you can support both shows with a single Patreon donation. At $4, you gain access to bonus content like the Told Tales of Spider-Man, which will be rolling out again relatively soon. And if you want to hear more of our voices, that's a great way to do it. At 10 bucks, there's some artwork that uh, Dan has slaved away to get you access to. So if you're into the whole original art thing, that's a great way to go. Uh, we want to thank the Ellie Badge for providing our theme song. And until Electro busts down our wall... Make mine untold. Oh, that's, that's slick.